The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a snowy Thursday edition of the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. And coming up today, Mike Pratt will join us, as he does on Thursdays, Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, and we'll catch up to Craig Way, radio voice of the Texas Longhorns. Get a little bit of a scouting report on Kentucky's next opponent. So that's our lineup for today as we roll into the Wildcat News of the day. Uh, last night was the radio show for Coach Cal, and uh, no per- huge breaking news here, just several interesting uh, nuggets. Uh, we, he repeatedly talked about uh, how he believes in his guys, still believes in them. So uh, that's a message uh, that he is no doubt giving them as well as the fans, says so he's coaching them harder than he has all season, just in the last couple of weeks. Um, said today he'll probably go around the room in their meeting and reemphasize how they need every player to play. The uh, Not somewhat that, that means your role, but just uh, the shots that you take, the the plays that uh, you you make, focus on these. Uh, just as a you know, good example, it's Dante Allen. You know, don't pass up shots. Uh, you know, it's B.J. Boston. Uh, you know, certain types of shots that uh, you take versus uh, others, and they'll have data to show them all those kinds of things. Going to be a lot of focus on the last four minutes of games. Um, one of the uh, stats uh, we had for the show last night was that Kentucky, if you look at the first thirty-six minutes of games for the season, is plus twenty, I believe, uh, plus twenty points. And then in the last four minutes of games this season, they're minus 37. Uh, they've had you know, multiple opportunities where they uh, were unable to close out a game, you know, two in the in the last couple of weeks, Georgia and Alabama, that uh, were wins for the taking. Um, asked him about Devin Askew um, and his struggles of late. He said Devin is thinking too much and uh, dribbling too much. So that's another guy that in that meeting today, they'll try to more clearly define, here's what you need to do for this team at this time. Uh, And if they can get guys to embrace those things over and over again, not just for a possession or two, um, maybe uh, they could uh, still salvage their season. he also said Terrence Clark's probably still a few games away from returning from that leg injury. The SEC announced the football schedule yesterday for conference games for Kentucky. Um, the big news is a brutal stretch in October. The 2nd, the 9th, and the 16th of October, Kentucky will play Florida and then LSU at Kroger Field and then go to Georgia. Um I saw Justin Rowland tweeted this yesterday. We'll, we'll get into it a little bit when he joins us, but I think he's right that Kentucky could conceivably be favored in the first four games and the last five games on their schedule. They'll open SEC play against Missouri in the second week of the season on September 11th. The bye week comes at the end of that stretch of three 
bears, if you will, Florida, LSU, and Georgia, and then they'll get a bye week before they would go down to play Mississippi State, which is uh, very good. Uh, I remember in the 07 season when Kentucky um, had uh, probably, well, not probably, I think definitely Rich Brooks' best team, and they played a Thursday night game at South Carolina, played number one LSU, then played Florida and Tebow with game day in town. And by the time the next week rolled around and they faced Mississippi State, they were beat up physically and spent emotionally and lost to a team that they were much better than. Well, here you at least get a week off before you have to play again, ironically, uh, Mississippi State after that uh, stretch of three um, three big games. And if Kentucky does start the season uh, you know, 4-0, then those games are going to be even bigger in terms of the uh, the attention and the hype, etc. And, you know, see a lot of uh, favorable predictions for how it could go for Kentucky. And under the right circumstances, yes, that, that could happen. But at this point, I don't know how you can be too confident about predictions until you see uh, – how they adapt to the new offensive system, but in particular within that system, because I think they'll adapt to it fine, is the level of quarterback play that they get. If it's uh, significantly improved, then they, you know, the schedule it could really be very favorable for them. If it doesn't, then yeah, it really probably won't matter that much. So that's going to be the uh, the main thing to watch as we uh, head into the season. But I do think it's a, a schedule, especially with a uh, a new quarterback, a first-time starter, that they'll have uh, an opportunity to you know not have to, to play Florida maybe in week two. Um, so we'll see uh, how it can start for the Cats. U.K. women, big game tonight. As they try to bounce back from a very disappointing performance at Tennessee, they'll take on Alabama, and this game's in Rupp Arena tonight at 6.30 Eastern Time. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. They're in Hamburg and in Palomar, new online ordering system to handle your orders for curbside pickup, but they still have their heated patio outside, and of course you can go inside as well at Wild Eggs of Lexington. We'll be right back with Mike Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Sixteen past the top of the hour, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline and bring on my broadcast partner, Mike Pratt, as uh, you can follow him on Twitter at MikePratt22. Uh, we uh, talked at length about this on Tuesday night during the broadcast, Mike, that uh, it was uh, an opportunity to steal one that Kentucky uh, let slip away. Uh, it's uh, you know it's it's not a it's not an awful loss. They uh, they played really hard and lost to a really good team on the road. But uh, when you you know you've gotten dug yourself the hole that Kentucky has, this was a chance to to really steal one. It was indeed, and uh, the, the game, the quality of the game was not, is not indicative of the final score. Yeah. And uh, hopefully um, a lot of people watched the game and thought it was pretty hard-fought, well-done ball game, and Kentucky made all the right moves defensively. I thought they, they chased Alabama off the three-point line and, 
made him in the first half shoot uh, shoot a lot of those mid-range twos, which is not their game. You've got to give Kentucky credit for that. And then the second half, Alabama decided they were going to find mismatches and drive the ball to the basket because they still weren't uh, – they were challenged at the three-point line. So um, if there's, there's a lot of good to come out of that. But uh, as you said, the bottom line is you let one slip away, but that's not the first time this year. There's, there's been others, I think, that they've let slid away, slide away, and I think you would agree. Absolutely, and that kind of leads me into my next question. Cal's really good uh, psychologically in, in, in motivating uh, his players, and now you come back home to face another top ten team in Texas, and it's a it's another opportunity. This is a stretch of six games, and they've played two of them already against teams that are in the top forty of the NCAA's net ranking. So any sliver of a chance you might still have at, at uh, getting an at-large bid, uh, these are opportunities to get quality wins. So uh, back to that motivational standpoint, you could, uh, you know, as a player, you could you know, be feeling sorry for yourself and, you know, we blew one, this is another, another close loss. Or, you know, you look at, you know, uh, you beat LSU, you nearly knocked off the number nine team in the country on their home floor, and now you get to come back home and uh, you, you know, could be motivated to to seize this opportunity. So this will be a a, a test of uh, you know if Cal can can successfully sell that message to them and keep them from feeling sorry for themselves. No, no question, Cal and his staff have to dig out some of their best stuff. Let's put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> to convince these guys that uh, look, you know, we're a long shot for anything but win the conference tournament. So how do you win the conference tournament? by being better every game. Every game, you, you do some things you didn't do, and you keep that solid defense, and maybe maybe you pick up your offense in certain ways. And, and, of course, down the stretch, you avoid the turnovers, and you win those close games. And you build toward the SEC tournament, and that's uh, that's what you want to do. So each one of these games, uh, regardless of who you're playing, I mean, whether it's Vanderbilt or whether it's Texas, it's a stepping stone, and that's what I think – uh, Cal's got to got to sell and will sell, and, um, and he's got his work cut out for him. He and his staff do because I think these kids right now uh, they they're really struggling with their confidence, and uh, you know that's that's that is a toughie. And as a coach, you're trying to um, you know you think of it as a baseball manager where you you're, you're trying to manufacture runs. Maybe you've got some good pitchers, but uh, you, you know the hitting's just not there. You don't have many you know home run hitters, and you know those old St. Louis Cardinal teams of the '80s with Whitey Herzog, where you were man- manufacturing runs and trying to win games. You know, two to one, three to two. You know, Kentucky's that kind of team because they don't have that guy that uh, can break you down off the dribble and, and create things. They don't have some of the you know the the guy you just throw it into like you know Carl and and you're going to score in a low post every time. So you're you know, execution level has to be uh, higher than than normal in terms of how precise you are on you know making passes, making cuts, etc. Right? Absolutely. You you almost have to be for a while perfect. Okay. And I know that's 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 very tough, and it sounds um, uh, like I'm nuts, but you know your your execution has to be damn close to perfect. It's not now, but it, it's got to get better to win those games because. In baseball, what you uh, the analogy that you talked about, you bring the closer in, right? You're up yeah. two to one, and you got to the ninth or the eighth back in the day, and you bring uh, you bring the closer in, 
because starting pitchers would go that deep. But the closer is the guy you relied on because you didn't score a bunch of points, so a bunch of runs. So in basketball, I think in this case, you know, since they don't have a go-to guy, they got to be perfect in their execution. You're exactly right. And especially closing games, that's interesting you bring that point up because that's where they're having trouble. You know, the other night, uh, four minutes to go, you go into the last kind of quadrant of the game there, if you look at it in four-minute segments with the media timeouts, that, you know, you're up two. And how, you know, it's uh, – and, you know, you've given up 52 points to Alabama at that point in the game. And through a combination of, you know, going for steals you shouldn't have, uh, turning the ball over and giving them runouts, a team that you held to 52 points for 36 minutes scored at a pace in the last four minutes in which they would have scored 180. <laughs> well, it know, doesn't make sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense at all. But you look at the turnovers. What were they? Uh, I'm in my car, but. 17 turnovers. Yeah, and, and um, uh, I remember we came out of a media timeout, and usually, you know, I'll uh, uh, jot down stats on my scorecard at each media timeout and kind of trend how some things are going. And at that, the first two media timeouts, so that's, you know, roughly 16 and, and 12, they had no turnovers. They were still sitting on nine. And I thought, yeah. boy, that's. You know, that's great, and if they you know get two or three turnovers the rest of the way, that's right where they need to be, around you know 10 to 12 you can live with. And then they had eight in the final, uh, you know, 12, a little less than 12 minutes. Like four of them were offensive fouls, and then um, a couple of bad turnovers late, just, you know, balls stripped away or, or really poor decisions on passes. Yeah, I mean, as a coach, you've got to look at that. I think uh, – um... Bama had four steals. That's, let's, let's assume it's two points. That's eight. It's 11 points. 10, 11 points depends on what kind of shots they made that you had, uh, that, that you cost yourself. Alabama didn't turn you over. Those were self-inflicted wounds. And, and, and I think that's a major part of Kentucky's turnovers, uh, in that arena. Not that the other team is forcing things. It's just, boy, we've seen some Bad passes, some bad decisions. You go right down the line. The charges, the when the set of pick and they use the elbow, just you know, little things that when you talk about execution, they tighten those things up. They're going to be fine. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the next opponent. Have you watched Texas much yet? I have. Um, very aggressive team. The kid Jones leads them in scoring, and he's uh, he, he can score uh, at all three levels. Then, of course, Brown is the guy they talk about the most. Uh, they've got Sims, a kid named Sims that's also very good, very active. They'll play three guards most of the time. But Brown's the guy they talk about. Uh, big-time rebounder, uh, projected to be be able to play at the next level. He can score. His, his Achilles heel is he's got one assist, Tom, and he's got like 30 turnovers. So you oh. got to keep the ball. you got to keep the ball away from him if you're Texas. And if you're Kentucky and he gets it, you better run at him and cause problems because the rest of the team doesn't turn the ball over much. The guards are, are very efficient. They're veteran guards. They're very efficient. And they can shoot it. They can, they can shoot it beyond the arc. Mike Pratt, thank you much. See you Saturday night. All right, buddy. That's uh, Mike Pratt. It's at Mike Pratt 22 his uh, weekly visits to our show, presented by Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. We'll come right back with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated here on the Leach Report Radio Network.
It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. It's the Leach Report, and we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We're going Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. So when the SEC announced the schedule for league games yesterday and you saw Kentucky's lineup, what was your first reaction? You know, I, I think it's a fairly manageable SEC schedule. I mean, I think most people have pointed it out, and I would agree. They have a chance to start really well with two uh, games that should be easy non-conference in South Carolina and Missouri, games that you have to win if you want to be, you know, uh, in a good spot as a program. And it gets really hard, and they have a chance to finish really strong. So that You know, that three-game stretch in the middle of the season, Florida – LSU in Georgia is going to be exciting, but very difficult. But you know they have a chance to clean up early and late if they uh, if they turn out to be a pretty balanced team. Uh, what I said earlier, and I'll see what your take is. Is you can look at the the schedule, and you can um, you know you can get uh, really optimistic if if you choose to do so about how it plays out, and you know look at Kentucky's personnel. But until I see you know just how good the quarterback play is is it uh, significantly Im- improved you know if, if it is then uh, then you could get real excited absolutely yeah i mean the, and the reason why i'm not reading too much into the schedule is you know i feel like going into this past season we knew a lot about kentucky because they returned so many players even though Bowden had had done the thing at quarterback we just we we really had a good grasp on what Kentucky was, and I don't feel like that's the case this year. Not just because of the quarterback play, that's the big thing, but the coordinator, and really on defense, up the middle, how are they going to be without Bohanna and Jamin Davis? That's a big question in my mind. Can they stop teams from lining it up and running right at them downhill? And fans probably want to think they're beyond that, but, but you know, you're not beyond it. It's a, it's a real question. Yeah, does uh, McCall you know maybe step his game up? Uh, is Justin Rogers ready to um, you know make a move? Um, if he is, then you know then you've answered at least part of that question. Um, we're coming up on the. Go ahead. Again, a lot of questions about this team. They have so many young defensive linemen that were so heralded coming out of high school. Maybe some of those guys have a really breakout off season. Yeah, if they do, then uh, if 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 yeah, we're talking over the quarterbacks, then uh, you could. Uh, could get real optimistic. We'll be right back with more from Justin Rowland. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Second half of our show from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington. And Justin Rowland is with us from CatsIllustrated.com. Uh, any deals you guys have rolling at the moment? Not currently, but we do roll them out uh, periodically. Anybody wants to email me at KentuckyRivals at Yahoo.com, I'd be happy to, to put something together for you. There you go. All right. Let's uh, shift to a little football recruiting because Kentucky picked up a commitment since we last talked. Jeremiah Caldwell, DB out of uh, Michigan. What's the story on his game? Yeah, they went from having no 2022 commitments to having a four-star, and uh, that's, that's a big change, clink scale got a defensive back from Michigan. He'd probably be a defensive back. He's played some receiver in the past. He's about 6'2", 6'2 and a half, really long in the mold of some of those taller and longer defensive backs Kentucky had earlier in the Stoops era. And he's one of the top players in Michigan. Um, they need defensive backs 
in the, in this class, and uh, that's a great start. They, they have a, a real chance to have a great 2022 class. It was a quieter recruiting year, uh, in part because of the pandemic in 21, but I think they're going to get a bunch of four-stars in this class. could be one of Stoops' higher-rated groups. What do you think they'll do with the remaining scholarships in this current class? Well, I, I think they're, they're aggressively monitoring the transfer portal. Everybody that goes into the transfer portal is getting evaluated. I would say linebacker uh, is going to be a need. Michigan State linebacker Luke Fulton is, is transferring into Kentucky, and that's going to be a nice addition. I think they could use some more edge rush help. I think they're going to be looking for more receiver help, even though they're already going to have Josh Ali and Wandale Robinson. Uh, more, more help at receiver, and they could use some more help uh, at defensive back as well. Um, but Trevin Wallace is the 2021 prospect to watch. In the late signing period, he had been committed to Boston College. He was on track to go to Auburn, uh, but with their staff getting wiped out and a new group coming in, John Sumrall has done a great job of recruiting him. And I think in less than a week, he's going to be signing with Kentucky. And when I say that he's the best linebacker prospect that Stoops will have signed, that sounds ridiculous because they had Josh Allen. But just in terms of high school prospect, he's fantastic. I know another site has him in the top 50 players in the country. I mean, he, he has, a, has a chance to be a fantastic SEC linebacker. Shift to uh, Kentucky basketball. Uh, see a note from uh, one of your writers, uh, David Sisk, who joins us from time to time, that uh, he is hearing that uh, there were just a couple of minor issues for Oscar Shibway and he should be on campus here in Lexington by the end of the week, right? Yeah, yeah. He said he said it was nothing to get worried about. People worry when things get pushed back, but it sounds like that's just a, an administrative thing, and Shebway will will be with the Cats. Uh, with Kentucky uh, in Texas uh, coming up Saturday, uh, the there are I think five teams in the country that are in the top fifteen of uh, Ken Pomeroy's offensive and defensive efficiency numbers, and Kentucky is facing two of those five this week. Um, of this stretch of they're they're coming on the halfway mark of a six game stretch with all of the opponents in the NCAA net ranking top forty. So you know any sliver of a chance for an at large comes in in these games where you have a chance to get quality wins. So if Kentucky can uh, take down Texas, to me that's the second hardest game of this stretch of six, uh, even though it's in Rupp Arena. The first hardest was. Uh, the one Tuesday night, uh, but just because of uh, – it's either this one or at Missouri, and, and I, I think this one maybe on my list is a little harder. So if you get this one, you keep hope alive. Yeah, I mean, if you if you beat Texas, then you start to look at the big trend, and you still have to explain the losses to Auburn and especially Georgia, but that would mean that in the last several games they played Alabama really tough, they'd have beaten LSU, they'd have beaten Florida – beaten Texas, suddenly you're looking at a team that's starting to look a little bit different. You know, it's still very much an uphill climb, still unlikely. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. Texas is probably the hardest game because, you know, Kentucky's backcourt is not the best part of their team, and Texas has three guards averaging 13 points or more, a little bit like Kentucky last season. And that backcourt's going to be a big challenge, and it's not going to be a track meet. Uh, it's going to be a tough one to grind out. But, yeah, they win that one, and, and the resume starts to look a little bit better. And your your starting point guard is, is really struggling right now in Devin Askew. Yep, that makes it difficult. It makes it difficult to push the tempo. And Calvary said he would like him to push the tempo, but when you don't have a point guard to do that, it does become more difficult. And so they're working out 
him running into a wall at this point in his freshman season. And, you know, they, they need to get Boston back on track. I thought he took a little bit of a step back in the last game, forcing things. But that's, that's been the issue for this team, so many guys being inconsistent. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how Boston does bounce back because uh, I thought I was seeing some significant growth there. And, you know, um, so if he comes back and plays well, you can maybe write it off to that, you know, Alabama's a bad matchup for him. Um, I think Alabama's one of those teams I said yesterday reminds me a little bit of the 2014 Florida team that Kentucky faced three times and uh, finally got close to beating the third time. But that Bama's just a uh, a bad matchup for this Kentucky team. And, you, you know, you look at how they, um, you know, Kentucky's under 40% on two-point shots both times they played them. And, um you know, Keon Brooks has not played well against them. Boston's not played well against them. So, you know, point being, I think it's a bad matchup that if Boston bounces back, and, and really, I mean, he needs needs to for them to have any shot. They've, they're having trouble scoring, and he's a guy that could get them, you know, 15 to 18 points. And uh, any games that he doesn't do that makes it a lot harder to find a way to 70 even plus. Yeah, yeah. Alabama's a little bit like Texas in that, you know, really balanced team. Good on both ends of the court. When Kentucky plays them, Kentucky's defense belongs in that matchup. Yes. Uh, but offensively, down the stretch, are they efficient enough to execute some quality possessions when the other team is locked in on the defensive end? That was the, that was the issue against Alabama. Could well be against Texas. We'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's just... Sometimes Boston does things that make you think, why is he doing that? But yes. then you start to look at the big picture, and there's not always a great alternative. No, that's true. I was watching uh, a, uh, a clip of one sequence in the game the other night, and it started with uh, with Dante turning down a, a three that uh, you, you know you can watch some of those clips and understand why Cal gets frustrated. If you're, if you're Dante, you should – Go into each game just thinking, my mission is to get up 10 shots, at least. And, uh, yeah. because nobody's going to have a problem with that. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I was a little bit critical of Cal screaming at him to shoot at first, but then if you really listen to what he's saying, what he's implying is we don't have a good alternative. So every time Allen comes around a screen and has any breathing room, he has to shoot. And maybe he's not saying that because he's just being so hard on Allen. What I think he's admitting is, Dante, that, that might be the last good opportunity we have for a shot on this. Team. Yeah, so if he turns, and, and not just him, sometimes Mintz does it too, but it's uh, Allen, and part of it is, you know, maybe you, you, know, you don't want to seem like a ball hog, uh, that kind of mindset. But when you turn down an open shot, then invariably this team is, is not the greatest at finding uh, you know, option B, so they end up taking a bad shot when they pass up the good one. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think maybe we should have some nuance when listening to what Cal Perry is saying. He can't come out and say, you know, we're only going to have one good opportunity for a look this possession. But in terms of giving Boston that leash and being hard on Allen, I think he is admitting, you know, I just I know we're a very limited team. Our margin for error is extremely low, and, and so every opportunity we get, we got to take advantage of. No, I, I think I think you are spot on with that because he's he said. Uh, come out and said they don't have anybody who can beat anybody off the off the bounce, and maybe Clark can when he comes back. So what the the next line of that line of thinking is? So we've got to scheme a way to get a good shot, and if we do that and then don't take it, we're killing ourselves, guys. Right. And when you're talking about, I'd rather have a shot clock violation than give up a turnover, run out, breakaway, layup. 
I mean, that, that he, he understands what they're up against more than anybody. And, you know, you see it sometimes in, in high-leverage clutch situations on the stretch when Isaiah Jackson's posting up 15 feet away from the rim. You know, they're, 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 it's just a struggle. And it's a lot of young guys that haven't really carved out their niche that are trying to do it on the fly. And, uh, you know, he's, he's probably at his wit's end. But, you know, they've tried everything, every possible lineup combination, three bigs. You know, they had one ball handler out there at one point. You know, he, he just – there's not a lot of answers, but I think he's tried everything he can. Justin, thank you much. Thanks a lot. Justin Rowland joins us on Thursdays from CatsIllustrated.com. It's at Roland Rivals on Twitter. And we're heading to a break. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington and Craig Way, the radio play-by-play voice of the Texas Longhorns, is on deck. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Back to the KentuckyHipWorks.com hotline. We bring on our friend Craig Way from the University of Texas Radio Network. Uh, by the way, uh, Jim Host says that tells me that uh, he hired you when his company had the uh, Texas uh, Radio Network, and he's still proud of that hire. He is uh, one great innovator and uh, a pioneer in our industry, Tom. No question about Very it. True. I'm always indebted to uh Mr. Host for for what he's done. It was I'll tell you what one of the most nervous times I ever had was my first game in the booth as an analyst. This is back in 1992. Bill Show, who of course now does the San Antonio Spurs, was on the play by play, and I was the analyst. And it was Texas against Mississippi State, 1992. And our office manager, our general manager there at office, still is today, Scott Willingham, told me he said, "By the way, don't want to make you nervous. Mr. Host is going to be in the booth." I'm like, "What?" And he said, yeah. So I've been the studio anchor for four years. So he said, no, everybody knows you're ready for this. Just just one. So first game goes off, and, and I'd forgotten about it. And then at one point during a timeout in the first quarter, I just happened to turn over my shoulder, and he's sitting there with the headphones on. He smiles and kind of waves at me. I thought, well, I guess I don't suck, so I guess I'll <laughs> stick with this. You know, it. Well, so as we both know, he would have told you if you did. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. In fact, he sent me a nice letter the next week and said, you did a fine job, keep up the good work. So I'm always indebted to him and grateful to him for his uh, for his guidance. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, this game on uh, Saturday as uh, the Longhorns come in off a tough beat by one to Oklahoma. In fact, they've had a couple of close losses lately, the other one to Texas Tech. But of late, they had some COVID issues. They had what? Shaka plus three players out on Tuesday? This is how bad it got, Tom. As a week ago today, uh, last, last Thursday, the Longhorns had three, count them, three healthy scholarship players. That's all they had. Wow. A couple of walk-ons. And, and there had already been a couple of games earlier postponed, one against Iowa State, one against TCU, and both of those were announced by those teams because they had COVID issues. But I was told if, if if they hadn't beaten Texas to the punch with the announcement, the Longhorns probably would have been making that announcement. So those games had gotten postponed. Well, and they'd already had won their conference opener at Baylor, which is probably a good thing that they didn't play the Bears the way they're going uh, early on. And Baylor had had some issues back in December. So they had three healthy scholarship athletes uh, a week ago. It expanded to five when they got to Friday, and then they finally, by Sunday evening, had eight scholarship athletes 
cleared. So they had eight players on the practice floor Monday. They had one practice as a team with eight without their head coach and then had to take on this red-hot Oklahoma team. And we were all really amazed that they played as well as they did from down 11 in the second half and actually were inbounding with 2.3 to go with a chance to win. They lost by a point. Um, no moral victories, obviously, in this game. But they, I think they came out of it feeling encouraged, which they're going to have to be uh, to get ready, obviously, going into Lexington on Saturday. And, and, and the million-dollar question, Tom, is – you know, who's going to be available? They don't know right now. There's still protocols that need to be clear. You know how all that works. So they're going to, they'll, they'll know when they know with regard to who's clearing protocols, even to be able to travel. Yeah, that was going to be my uh, next question. Uh, so that answers that as to if you knew about uh, availability. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, that, it's that kind of year where, uh, like Louisville's game last night, they, uh, they got rescheduled oh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it it it'll um, it, it it remains to be seen where they are, where it'll be going from there. Well, when uh, things are going well, what do they do best? Uh, I think they've done a really good job defending the basketball uh, with guard play. That's why what hurt a little bit well, surging with guard play of late, and they didn't have point right and defender. I don't even think arguably. I think he's the best on-ball defender, and they didn't have him. Uh, that went, and, and, and like many teams. Tell you what, Shannon, let's take a quick break and get uh, Craig hopefully in a little better cell. We'll take uh, a break here and come back and get uh, one more segment in with Craig Wave from uh, the Texas Radio Network here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Final segment of our show, Craig Ways uh, with us from the Texas Radio Network. Uh, Craig, just looking at um, the, the numbers here on the, on the uh, KenPalm.com page, the one thing that's interesting about Texas is that uh, the shots are fairly evenly distributed uh, among several guys, so there's not really a, a go-to guy, it looks like, correct? Yeah, and a lot of that time has to do with who has a hot hand on a given night, as we all know. Andrew Jones had back-to-back really strong performances after he'd had a couple where he didn't shoot the ball well. Courtney Ramey had a couple of games where he shot lights out, and then one game where he scored the same amount of points in the game that I did that night. He, just, <laughs> he, he was scoreless on a given night. But he did defend well. And then uh, and then there's well, one guy I haven't mentioned yet is this freshman, Greg Brown, uh, who uh, a lot of a lot of folks were interested in, uh, in including, I think, Cal yes. as well. Uh, and uh, he's, he's a local product, so uh, and his father played football at Texas, so there was that connection. But he um, he's developing. There are times when he looks spectacular, and other times where he looks like a freshman. But he's he's knocked down some key shots, hit a big three the other night, bringing it back. So I think you're right. They 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 have spread the wealth a little bit. And what I was saying before I had the little drop out there was that uh, they, when they're when they're going well, they're defending. Their on ball defense has been good at times. So I think that's one of the things that they're that they're hoping that they can continue to have success with. And on on their uh, good days, they they could apparently do really good. I mean, 84-59 at Kansas, uh 72-70 win at West Virginia. Those are not easy places at which to win. It has not been lost on anyone, Tom, that if they find a way to win depending on who's available and eligible and all that other kind of stuff uh health-wise on Saturday. 
if they find a way to win Saturday night, it would easily, easily be the only time in history of the program that they would have beaten North Carolina, Kansas, and Kentucky in the same year. That just doesn't happen. And so, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, as it doesn't look like Kansas will probably uh, be the team to beat in the Big 12, that's looking like Baylor and, of course, Carolina in a, in a difficult fight in the ACC, and then obviously the Cats in a, in a big fight in the SEC with the way it's going. Still in all, that would be quite a feather in the program's cap if they were able to pull that off. But, uh, they, again, it, it's going to be interesting to see who's healthy and who's even available to uh, make the trip to Lexington, let alone play in the game on Saturday. Craig, thanks for the time, and uh, unfortunately won't uh, get to see you here, so uh, maybe somewhere down the road. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll look forward to it. I always enjoy the times I've been at Rupp, so uh, uh, I appreciate the opportunity. look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Craig. That's Craig Way. He's the radio play-by-play voice for the Texas Longhorn Radio Network. Our This Day in UK History Note, presented by the new Ravon app, This Day 1984, number uh, Kentucky beat number 18, Georgia, 64-40. to 40. Held an 18th-ranked team to 40 points. Melvin Turpin, 18-9 to pace the Cats. And a happy birthday to Tony Delk, who I think is going to be uh, the uh, special guest on the Wildcat Chat segment with uh, Dave Baker and Goose Givens on the pregame show on Saturday. Speaking of SEC basketball, last night, Florida beat Vandy 78-73. South Carolina over Georgia, 83-59. Arkansas, which comes into Lexington in a couple of weeks, beat Ole Miss, 74-59. to I mentioned that Louisville-Clemson game earlier. The Cards had just returned to the top 25, but had trouble scoring and lost at Clemson, 54-50. to uh, UK men's soccer, preseason second team, uh, preseason second pick in Conference USA. See you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next.